All right, so this is going to be kind of like an article review. Um, so the one that I'm going to be reviewing this time, this is part of it, actually, because it's going to be broken up into two parts, um, just because I think, one, there's a lot of information that I need to digest, um, and I think it just it's good to kind of break it up and see the formulation of thought. This is an article that I've actually read the whole entire thing, but I'm going back, I'm reviewing it, I'm looking at it again. So this is Black Conservatism in America. Uh, the author is Angela K. Lewis. Um, I got this from the Journal of African American Studies. It was published in 2005. Um... So I'm only going to review basically or talk about the introduction and the first subcategory, which is the origins of black conservatism. So one of the things that I really like is how she starts out talking about the lack of historical perspective that is given in regards to um, black conservatism and the history of blacks and the political thought of black intellectuals, because it's not something that we really talk about. I mean, now, of course, it's something that we talk about, but it's not something that we think about in the past tense in terms of there being really intelligent black intellectuals. There are a few, but there are not like talked about that often. Um, there's more than probably most people would care to admit um, but the goal of this paper or this study is to discuss the development of black conservatism from obviously the historical perspective that I've already mentioned and to see if contemporary black conservative intellectuals have support from the black community. Um, it does point out the fact that there is a segment of the population that does identify with the conservative label. Um, I think what I also thought was cool was that sh she tied in black conservatism to America, not making it its own separate thing because blacks, while I will, will go deeper into slavery and all this other stuff, the culture of black America or African-Americans comes from America. Like it was built and bred in America because the past cultures and stuff like that, all the people from all over Africa have now become intermingled. They're in this one place. They need to now, their whole entire cultural identity is changed. So I kind of enjoyed that fact that it's like pointing out the fact that you can't talk about this history without acknowledging the fact that it its context is America and so it black conservatism and the black community is influenced by American conservatism um, another thing that I think was cool is like you uh, she broke up the different camps within 
conservatism, which I don't necessarily, I think is more so, at least today in this day and age, you see that a lot within like the Democratic Party talking about how big that tent is. But I also think we're ignoring how big the tent is for conservatives as well. It's not as small as we think. I mean, I think people more so are now like if you're a Republican, you're obviously a Trumpster instead of realizing that there are nuances uh, within their that party itself. Um, so she breaks it up into three categories, like I said, of what uh, conservatism is in America, at least. So she calls it the anti-static which is the basically she refers to them as the establishment or moderate republicans who usually uh, or traditionally control the white house and the party's national candidates and they do get some they do align themselves with uh black conservatism and blacks do uh relate to this group or at least related to them prior to the 1980s um and then since then it's changed uh the other one that she talks about is organic conservatism which is basically those who are concerned with social and cultural dimensions of life um that's the way that she describes it and and also defines it as what we would consider to be the religious far right the people who where conservatism gets its kind of moral authority of defining what is right and what is wrong and the last one uh and this is something that I'll talk more about um, as I continue to, before I go into the last one that she describes, is that black conservatives do identify with this organic conservatism because we're talking about religion and black people do tend to be very religious. Um, I will do another review on an article that basically talks about these subsets within the black community in regards to uh, religion. But um, the last one she describes is the neoconservatives, which are basically she calls ex-liberals. So those are people who once were liberals, but now have left that party and found some alignment with uh, Republican values. Um, so, but they still support things like social programs and but they're also against government expansion. Um, she also says that, or Lewis also says that the nation of Islam apparently identifies with the neoconservative perspective. Um, however, in the paper, she only talks about the organic and the anti statistic. Oh my God. Why is that word so hard to say? Statistic. Um, groups within the conservative party because they are the most dominant ones, or at least at the time when this paper was written, they were the most, uh, the, the, the bigger dominant groups within the subcategories within conservatism. And so this paper is about how 
blacks relate and black conservatives or black conservatives conservatives relate to these subgroups. Um, now I'm going to go into what she talks about in the origins of black conservatism. One, I think, like I said before, that it's important for us to understand where we've been and offering up that historical perspective and saying, hey, what does this mean? And where does this come from? Because how, how, and the, how did we get here to answer that question? So I love that she is framing this in um, a historical perspective. So the origins, she talks more so about the fact that the black community after slavery, um, they relate to conservatism because of the fact because of slavery and because of racism, they see no alternative than the status quo of conservatism because it's something they understand. It adheres to what I will talk about later in uh, other articles in regards to religion, this prosperity gospel. If you just do what you're supposed to do, if you just work hard, then everything is going to work out. Um, So... She also discusses in this that divide between the middle class and the upper class and like poor whites and about how the more blacks tend to move up and in the class structure, the more they are likely to espouse conservative uh, philosophies. However, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um also to she defines black conservatism which I in a lot of the articles that I have read they a lot of them define it in the same way when they talk about black conservatives they're talking about black conservative intellectuals they're not talking about people who just happen to be black and be conservative or they're they're not talking about everyday people which I think is really a huge gap in the research being done on black conservatives You know what I mean? And also, I think there too, when you talk to certain scholars or you read certain things, there's a difference between being a black conservative and being a conservative that just so happens to be black. I think, though, if you were, if it'd be better to be a conservative that just so happens to be black than to be a black conservative, because I don't know, I don't feel like your your race... While it does play a part in your political beliefs, I don't think it should be defining, but that's another, that's talk for another day. But anyways, in this, she's specifically talking about black conservative intellectuals. Um, But she points out that the limitations that I think when you create a definition and you're writing a paper and you don't have uh, a million pages Um, And you can't just uh, keep publish, you can keep publishing, but you want to publish at some point, is that there are limitations to the creation of the of your word choice, which is why you have to be clear, is one, nobody is monolithic. And I think something in me doing this and focusing on black conservatism is that we need to realize that the black community is not monolithic. It is diverse. Um, 
but she talks the two limitations that she focuses on in her definition of black conservatism is one the fact that it's not monolithic so like no different definition is really going to um, be all-encompassing or no research can be done in the sense that is going to completely define or help us or help us to completely understand this group it's really just piecemealing basically so the two limitations that she gives is uh, that one, it's like you, these things, these tenets or the basic tenets of black conservatism can be true for somebody who's not conservative. And it also might not be true for those who are conservative, but the tenets that she talks about is the respect for Western um, civilization, you know, its structures, its institutions, the belief that through your own resources or blacks own resources that they can succeed within the society and that individual achievement, not government assistance is key to success her words exactly this is really like a summary and then I'm gonna get deeper into this and my my own thoughts and stuff um and black conservatives believe that western institutions offer equal chance for success there's no like black conservatives themselves believe that if you play by the rules, even if whites are trying to discriminate against you, the system will prevail. Um, so in, in basically, they are optimists, um, is what she says, is that they're just optimistic. They also believe, like black conservative intellectuals, believe in capitalism. Um, she also points out um, key entrepreneurs that uh, were in uh, black culture and in the past. She also talks about like the black ownership prior to the Civil War, um, to people owning their own businesses. She also points out... Uh, that black conservatives believe in the prosperity of the capitalist market, which I think goes back to um, a prosperity gospel, which also goes back into religion. She talks about the founding father or the man who's considered to be the founding father of black conservatism, which is Jupiter Hamron, Hamron, Hamron. Oh my gosh. Cannot talk, cannot say names. Um, and about, you know, the Protestant work ethic, which basically is just like uh, trying to say that we need to basically be everything that the stereotype says that we need to be everything that the stereotype says that we're not or we need to not adhere to the stereotype. So we need to work hard. We can't be seen being lazy. Um, once again, it also goes back to that religion thing um he emphasized i mean he was a literary figure as uh he was a literary figure as well as a long island slave and he talked about 
Christianity, respectability, humility, and morality. So it was still very centered around religion, which um, once I get done doing both parts of this, I will do one also on religion. Um, they also seek to cooperate with whites for the advancement of the race. So now I just want to talk a little bit about my own thoughts on this and kind of like the implications that I think that I think this research is more is still very relevant because I still think that people think that Trump Republicans or black Trump Republicans are just new. Like they're just like, where did these conservative black people come from? They are a walking anomaly. They are crazy. Um, but that's not the case. Um, conservatism does have a historical basis. And I think that we are finally having to establishment and changing themselves. Are they being seduced by empire? Are they reinforcing a status quo that will always keep them locked out? And are, are black conservatives being dishonest? You know, like that whole idea of like when they're called names like race traders, are they being dishonest with themselves and just being individual, because like one of the things that I always tell people, what I think is like so ironic about the black community, when the black dollar doesn't even double or triple within the black community because we don't have black businesses. And you can talk about all the things that were done to make that happen. I totally, I would not argue against the fact that things have been done to limit black people's success. But I also think it still falls back on the fact that black people have embraced individualism more than any other group who has come to the United States. Granted, um, we came unwillingly or whatever, but have embraced it because the culture, black culture, one, I think is American culture because it was born and bred in America. And that is not to take anything away from the Native Americans. So if you're about to come for me for that, goodbye. Um, it's just to say that, hey, like this, this is a people that grew up being fed individualism. So it's easy for them to adhere to this, like, well, can be successful if I just do this, I got to pull myself up by my bootstraps and not adhere to community. While I do think that there are multiple factors that play a part in why the black community is not as strong as it could be. I'm just saying that's one of the reasons why. And I also don't think that it's a wrong thing to believe in the establishment. And I think that people think that Republicans, uh, people hate Republicans and bl I'm specifically black conservatives optimism. I like the fact that she points out that they're optimists. They want to believe that the system works and the system is going to do what the system is supposed to do. You know, I, and another thing that I think is interesting is this is there's a lot of talk about equal chance and success. But I don't think 
that we always talk about what that actually means. This whole idea of equal opportunity. What does that mean? Because equal opportunity doesn't mean equal success. And I think that's often how we see it is that, well, if if I it's that whole like if I work hard, I'm going to get this. But just because you work hard doesn't mean that you're going to be as successful as that person. So I think part of that is that successfulness being defined by the American dream. But I also think the other thing that makes it a little bit murky is when your American dream is not set by you. It's set by society, you know, and so everybody has this universal goal that they're working towards, like something like if you don't like when the iPhone first came out, if you didn't have an iPhone, you weren't cool. So it's like you have to get these things. It's that whole keeping up with the Joneses mentality instead of defining yourself in an individualistic way and defining what it means to be successful for you. Um, so I think that that is something, at least for me, that comes up and that I think about a lot just with what people want society to do and what people want the government to do. It's like, we want everything to be equal. We want everything to be fair, but one, life's not fair, and just because you have an opportunity to do something doesn't mean that you're going to be successful. It doesn't also mean that you're going to be good at it. Um, but I think that there's a lot of, in these first two sections, a lot of things, at least to me, that allude to religion. Um, and I think that that's only fitting because the black community does tend to be very religious, even if they're not necessarily going to church and things like that. So that was just my first little uh, part of this, just to one, give an overview of the first two sections and kind of talk more so about my thoughts. And I think there aren't really, at least right now, no like implications, I think, for the future. But I think there's a reason why you see this resurgence of or this in your face uh, black conservatism. And I think that it's really just because Trump asked a very serious question to people. What have you got to lose? Ne neither party has really done anything for the black community. They might go, they might cater to it um, when election time comes, but nobody t takes that vote seriously enough to actually do what it is that they said they're going to do and to follow through with anything. So I think what you're seeing is a rebelliousness, but I also think think there's a cultural we're now we're at a point where our the cultural war is at its height after the civil war I think it's I think I can't remember who said it 
But it's interesting when you think about the fact that, yes, a certain group won, but the narrative is the most important thing to win. We're, and, and at least from, for me, at least the, the progressive way, you know, the narrative war was lost. And I think that's why we're having such a cultural issue now where we've entered into a cultural war. Um, Shelby Stills book, Shame, really talks about this. And I think that it's very important to realize that we're at the pinnacle and we're at the height of it right now, where there are two very distinct sides of America. Uh, Republicans have Trump which has totally, I think, eliminated more moderate uh, Republicans. And I think now with this election that's getting ready to happen, you're seeing the same thing happen to Democrats, where it's like moderate Democrats are getting kind of shut out. And I think that's why people are tired, because it's not easy. It's not just one way. Um, Life is multi-dimensional um and people are multi-dimensional and like she's saying this idea of like there is no monolith so what do you do when you're somebody who is pro-choice but you're also pro the second amendment you know like i want people to be able to choose what it is they want to do with their body. But I don't think that we should take guns away. I don't think that taking people's guns away or creating harsher laws for guns is really going to do anything because people who want guns are going to find a way to get guns. So I also think it's about focus and there's a fatigue among American people because understanding politics is not something that's easy Um, it's not something that you just, that all people can just get up and do or have the time to do. Um, because people need to make money, people need to survive, people need to live. Um, and basic necessities now, people are struggling to provide for themselves. I do think that people need to work. One of the things she does talk about uh in this I don't know if I I'm pretty sure I mentioned it is that whole idea of that you working and you putting that effort in and I think that that's easy and I think most people I hope most people want to work but I also understand the perspective that I think uh I would say the that conservatives have in terms of like, why are we giving people things for free? Like we don't, we shouldn't be giving people things for free or make, have all these entitled people. But I don't think that that's a majority of people. I think people are just struggling and you have a society that is constantly telling you that you're worthless if you don't have these uh, material items, which I think also increases the amount at which people steal and different things like that. But I digress. I'm going on a tangent to nowhere. But 
that is part one of this little review article thing. The next part will be about um, contemporary conservatism and the conclusion as well as or it might just be the data and the methods and then it will be might break this up into three parts probably going to be three parts but I think overall I am loving this article so far I think she really sets it up in a way where you get it it's like a slow push towards this is what was happening into this is what is happening and this is what I learned um, and I think it makes it really relatable um, and clear. And I love the way that she defines black conservatism. But I still have an issue with most people defining black conservatives as intellectuals. And black conservatism surround is just like this intellectual thing because it really does a disservice. It really is creating, in my opinion, a huger gap in our ability to understand the black vote. And I think we need to understand the black vote. Um, in order to in order to get the black vote, you have to understand the black vote. And I think by focusing on black conservatism, black conservatives as black conservative intellectuals is the reason why people feel that it's a new phenomenon when it's not. When it's something that has existed, um, I do think, though, at the same time, bl- black conservatives have found refuge in intellect intellectualism or through education, um, as opposed to being out there talking about it or running for political office. However, that within itself is a whole other ball game. Anyways, this that was it. I'm really done this time. Good night. Good morning. Whatever it is for you. Until next time.